Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Uh, anyway, welcome to ES First. ES First is the uh, is a place where we all come together and, and learn about Jesus and be, we're Jesus followers. Uh, so we're, we're glad you came here today, no matter what walk of life you come from. But uh, we, our goal is to find more about Jesus and grow with each other so that we can become all that God has dreamed us to be. Did you know that God dreamed you up before he ever created the entire world, the Bible says? That's pretty incredible, that he would think about your DNA, your traits, who you are, what you'd be doing, where you'd be born, and he would put a design in there. And he's given you the option to run your life however you want, but we find out that as we submit to him, we give our lives to him, that something happens, that God's best for our life begins to line up, and it's incredible what God will do when we give our lives to him. So that's what we do here at ES First. So we preach two books of the Bible right now. We're in the book of Mark. It's a story about Jesus' life, and uh, because we're Jesus' followers, Jesus' followers, we want to find out more about who he is, what he did, and uh, what he was like. So here we go. We're going to start with chapter Mar- or Mark chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 27. Are you ready? All right. Mike's ready. <laughs> here we go. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. That's a good verse. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee, Peter declared. Even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you, and all the others said the same. We're going to jump over just a little bit further into verse 66, and Peter says this. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself by the fire, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene uh, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you're one of them, for you are Galilean. And he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time, and then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice. You will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. It's sharp. It sees into our soul, Lord. And we have come here today to know you and experience you in a greater way. If we just have our favorite song and and a, a, a good feeling, and if we just have an inspirational talk, we miss the mark of what you really want to have happen, which is you want to meet with us. And we want to meet with you, God. We want to know you in a greater way. So show up as we're hungry to know you, as we're hungry for answers, as we're hungry for truth. Do great and mighty things in your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this is the part where Jesus is, is, is doing the Last Supper and, and, and coming into this part where he, he looks at everybody and he's like, look, you'll all fall away. 
You'll all fail me. You'll all walk away. And, and I don't know about you. When somebody looks at you in the eye and goes, you're going to fail, I, I, I kind of like clench up a little bit. Like what, like, what do you mean? How? What am I going to do? I mean, fail? Like, you ever had somebody just call you out like, you always do that? Right? Like when you start a diet and you're really excited and you get, you know, your Anytime Fitness card and you're like zipping in, you're like there twice a day, loop, loop. You're drinking protein shakes everywhere you go. You're wearing all workout clothes all the time. You got fat hanging out the side everywhere. It don't matter because you're excited. And you're like, man, I'm going to get down 50 pounds by the end of the month. You're like, no, you won't. You always do this. You get excited about something and then you just get off the bandwagon. This is Jesus. He's like, look, I know you've given three years of your life to me, but you're all going to fall away. And for them, I can't imagine anything more, like, just offensive. Like, I had a, I had a successful fishing business. I had a mother-in-law that you brought back to life. I mean, I mean, I had all of these things. And he's like, Peter, you're going to fall away. And he's like, no, I won't. I've given everything to follow you. As a matter of fact, you've said to me before that I was like hearing from God and I was, I was doing all the right things. I was, I was an, an elite follower. As a matter of fact, you told me the whole entire church we built on me. And he says, now you're going to tell me I'm, I'm going to fall away? I'm going to fail you? I'm going to walk away? No way. Haven't I proven it to you again and again and again? There's no possible way that I would ever fail. You, Jesus. He says, yeah, as a matter of fact, all of you will fall away. So then Jesus, in the next few hours, gets arrested and he gets drugged away and, and Jesus is like, going to be crucified. It's, it's a really big deal and things get really scary and sketchy. And, and then all of a sudden, it, it comes to fruition. Peter's like hiding out. I mean, everybody's arrested and they run off and they've, they've really fled. I mean, this happened in the next few hours. And here's Peter. He's hanging out and the Bible says he's warming himself on the fire and you can imagine him you know, with his, his cloak up or his coat up, and, and he's just hanging out. He's trying not to be seen. And somebody goes, hey, you're one, you're one of those Jesus guys. You, you, you've been with him. I, I, I've seen you. As a matter of fact, you talk like him. You sound like him. You have the same accent. You're absolutely one of those Jesus guys. And three times this happens, and each time he denies, he has the opportunity. You think if Jesus told you, you're going to deny me three times, even tonight, you'd be like, this is the point. This is the time. But he's so scared, he's freaked out, he's like, I don't know the guy. I don't know Jesus. This, this guy you're talking about, the guy they're killing, no, I don't know him. As a matter of fact, he gets so fed up at one point, he starts calling down curses. The Bible says he curses. I don't think that's an F word, um, even though that would be really cool if Peter you know, just dropped the F-bomb in there and just solve it for everybody, what really mattered in life. But he actually starts calling down curses on them. May God curse you and you die where you stand. I mean, that's the kind of attitude he has towards these people. And he's denying that he's doing the very same thing he said just a few hours ago he wouldn't have done. And it's easy to look at Peter and be like, oh, yeah, well, Peter, you know, and that's what Peter does. But how many times have you promised and swore and then just a few hours later failed? How many times have you, you know, told God, I'll, I'll never do that again. I never want to do that. I mean, I, there's no possible way. And then it, it comes up, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you fail. It's like just failure. I'm convinced that this failure wasn't just any ordinary failure, but I, I'm convinced that it was rooted in something very deep that actually all of us struggle with. I can't, I can't imagine anything more sinful than saying, you don't know Jesus. Right? I mean, we sinned, right? Like some of you sinned this morning. Some of you sinned last night. 
Some of you sinned all week long. Some of you are, are perpetually trying to fight against a sin that wants to own your life over and over and over again. Sin is something that is, is very real in our lives. But I can't imagine anything worse than going, no, I don't follow Jesus. And probably none of us have ever said that. You know, you follow Jesus and then later on like, you know what, I don't even know Jesus. Some, some point in our life we go, well, you know, you're not, my, my grandma took me to Sunday school, even our worst times. Some of y'all, you know, have been the drunkest you've ever been in your life talking about Jesus somewhere with somebody looking at the stars. You laugh because that's how true it is. You're like, yeah, every time. <laughs> right? But you just go, you know, I don't follow Jesus. What could be worse? But this sin right here, this sin that Peter commits, which is denying Jesus in front of people, and the Bible says, I mean, Jesus says this. He says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I believe that this great sin, this paramount sin, this number one sin, is rooted in something so deep that we all suffer every single day. And I believe Peter was suffering in this moment. It was this, disappointment. And you can say what you want, like, I mean, we all kind of have this emotional thing about disappointment, but what happens when you get your hopes up and then you get let down? Can you imagine the times in your life, you could probably re rewind and go, and show up to something and be like, man, that's when my whole life turned. It was when, you know, somebody in my family died. It was when I had the divorce. It was when, it was when my, my kids went off the path. I mean, it's just, you're just disappointed about life. Things didn't work out right when you lost your work and you couldn't find a job anywhere. Whatever it was, it was disappointment. And you're just like, you know what, God? If this is the way you treat your people, then this is the way I'm going to treat you. If this is the way you take care of the ones that love you the most, then this is the way that I want to respond. I don't want to go to church anymore. Every time Allie stands up there and talks about something, about how good God is, I just want to go, BS, from the back. Everything about this whole thing about following you is just one big disappointment. And you just move on about life doing whatever you think you should do, want to do, whatever it is that makes you feel better. But you know that nothing makes you feel better, so you slip into destruction. And I can't imagine anything more disappointment, disappointing than staking your whole entire life on a guy you see right in front of you that you think the world is going to change because of him, and now he's going to die. Sin has a way of creeping in and disappointment in a way that you can't even quite understand in the moment. But now that I've told you about it, hopefully you've seen it in the past in your life, and you'll see it in the future. What happens is... <clears throat> What happens in the story is that Peter is watching Jesus in front of him live out the destruction that he's already promised will come in. It's weird. Because how many things has God already told you about your life that somehow you got jaded about and he already told you? You know? It's like, now you got a, you got a hard time coming and and. 
and you're like, well, this came out of nowhere. And Jesus himself said, he said, in your life you'll have trouble. In your life you're going to have trouble. So why are you surprised about it? Why are you, why are you pissed off at Jesus about hardship that came into your life? The incredible promise he always gives is that I have overcome the world. I'm bigger than the world. He's like, they're going to hate you at times. Don't worry about it. They've hated me. It's like, but it's fine. I will bless you and take care of you in ways that you can't even quite fathom. This is what Jesus' life is. It's that when there's discrepancy, when there's problem, when there's struggle, he steps in in a greater way. And oftentimes, in that greater way, we're pushing against because we don't understand in the moment. And we go, you know what? I'm just disappointed right now. I'm just a little bit upset. What we need to do is run to the help that we have in Jesus. Run to the help we have in Jesus. But most of us are not convinced about the help we have in Jesus because we have no idea who Jesus is. Miracles than Peter. Nobody has seen more lives transformed. Nobody has seen more incredible things happen than Peter. And Jesus continually begins, I mean, we're talking about walking on water, food multiplying, blind eyes seeing, deaf and dumb, I mean, meaning not, can't talk, people talking and hearing. His mother-in-law, the Bible says that G, Peter went and followed Jesus, and then his mother-in-law got a fever, you know, and then he went back and uh, brought Jesus to his mother-in-law, and Jesus healed his mother-in-law, and then Peter's like, I'm out, see ya. <laughs> like, I mean, like, most of you guys are like, yeah, I would totally leave if my mother-in-law was healed of, you know, like, she's almost done, and boom, my mother-in-law's back. Oh, okay, I'm gonna follow Jesus for a few years. Peter has seen more, done more, experienced more with Jesus than ever. He knows who Jesus is. As a matter of fact, just a little bit, he's actually seen Jesus heal a guy's ear. He's seen Jesus, the king of kings, kneel down and wash the feet of people who are unworthy to be cleaned by the master, including Judas, who he's found out has just betrayed Jesus. I can't imagine seeing more and experiencing as much as Jesus, as, Paul, as Peter has and falling away. The good news is that if Peter can see all that, experience all that, and fall away, then that leaves some room for you and I to fall. It leaves some space for us to fail. It leaves some space for us to live in a place where we have high hopes, we're doing good one minute, and stumble the next. And a lot of people will, tr will tell you and, and treat you as if people that go to church never fail. If people that follow Jesus never have a moment where everything crumbles. But those of us who are authentic and real and can look at something in the eye and go, you know what, yeah, I've been there. I believe that when we get to heaven, we're sitting with Peter. We're going we're gonna to talk about our lives a lot. Talk about Peter's life and what happened and what the way things went down. And I believe that what you're going to find out is that your story and Peter's story are a lot alike. See, what happens is that 
The Bible tells us, not in the book of Mark, but in the book of John, it says that after Jesus is risen from the dead, he comes back and, and, and Peter has like, after he denies you, I mean, he's a fatalist. He's like, you know what, I, I'm worthless. I, I can never be a disciple. I'll, I'll never do anything ever again. And he runs away. As a matter of fact, he tells the other disciples, he's like, I'm going fishing. And it wasn't like he bought like, you know, a 24-pack of Bud, put it in the cooler and got in his bass boat and went to Smithville for the weekend. What he meant, he's like, I'm going back to my old way of life. I'm going back to my old job, my old occupation. Y'all can follow that Jesus guy, but I won't do it any longer. He says, I'm going fishing. So he goes back to it. And Jesus, after his resurrection, he comes and sees Peter fishing. Now, if you remember the first time he found Peter, Peter was fishing. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We've probably heard that at some point in our life. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter dropped it all and followed Jesus. But the reason, one of the reasons he followed Jesus is because Jesus actually came to Peter and said, I, uh, <clears throat> I want you, actually he says, he says this, before he says follow to me, he says, are you catching anything? Can you take me out in this boat? I want you to you know, go some fishing, whatever. And Peter goes, no, we're done fishing. The fish aren't biting. There's nothing. Now, Peter's a professional fisherman. He knows when the fish are biting, when the fish are not biting. He's not just throwing a line out. He's throwing nets out and scraping them in. And they go out there, and, and, and Peter can't catch anything. And, and he says, well, why don't you throw your nets on the other side? Throw your nets on the other side. And Peter's like, that's stupid. I already told you there's no fish out here. Why would there be fish on the other side of the boat? And so he goes, and he throws his nets on the other side, and he pulls in more fish than he can even handle. The boat almost starts sinking because he has so much fish. He comes back, and he leaves it all behind to follow Jesus because he's convinced about who Jesus is. Now, if you know that story, what happens is, is Peter's fishing. The disciples take Jesus to where Peter is, and Peter's walking on the shore. And I don't know if Peter recognizes him or not right away. As a matter of fact, I would say he probably doesn't until this one moment, the Bible says, where he realizes it's Jesus. Because Jesus calls from the shore. He says, hey there! Are you catching anything? Peter's like, no, not catching a thing. Do you know what Jesus does? Hey, why don't you uh, cast your net on the other side, bro? It's like Peter goes, is that Jesus? And he casts his net on the other side. Now, and there's, as, as a matter of fact, Peter jumps out of the boat and comes swimming towards Jesus as fast as he can. I don't know how far offshore, far offshore he was, but I don't like to swim more than like, you know, half the pool length. Peter goes at it, fully robed. Well, maybe it doesn't say whether he was naked or not, but fully robed, swimming to Jesus, and... They sit down, and Jesus makes a meal of fish with Peter. Now, have you ever sat down with somebody that you had, like, some animosity towards? Some issues with? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's like you should all show up to Thanksgiving. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. You're like, I hate that guy. <laughs> you know? Remember what you did to me? Remember, you still owe me $1,500. You know? 
they sit down, and there's like this tension between them. I can imagine just Peter just like, you know, you said I would deny you, and I denied you. I walked away. I know. I'm the worst. I'm the failure. I'm the one who didn't make it. I'm the one who was, like, I, I, if anybody should have been strong, it should have been me, but it wasn't me. And Jesus, without any of this conversation, goes on. He looks at Peter and goes, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, I, lo I love you, Jesus. He says, no. And she says, he says, would you feed my sheep? Feed my sheep. And then he asks him again, no, Peter, do you, do you really love me? Peter says, you know I love you, Jesus. He said, would you tend my lambs? And he asks him one more time, he says, Peter, do you love me? And at this point, Peter's kind of, he's, he's, he gets worked up. Why are you asking, Jesus? Why are you asking me again? You know that I love you. He says, then, tend my sheep. Take care of my flock. Do what I've been doing for others. Go the next step in your life and become more like me. And I can imagine if, if it wasn't Jesus and it wasn't this moment, if it, he was like, he could just spew out like all of us and go, well, what happened? I mean, I failed you. Don't you understand? I'm not worthy to do what you've asked me to do. I can't. There's no possible way. Tend your sheep. There's no way that I can be like you, Jesus. I just showed you. This little girl said, are you with Jesus? And I cursed her. I can't imagine anything worse than denying that I know you and you changed my life. Of course I love you. But love is rooted in this deep thing that's actually belief. When you love someone, it's different than just saying, I care for you. When you love someone, it's different than just saying, like, you know, I have emotion in my heart toward you. It's actually this thing, it's like, I believe you with all of my heart and soul. It's like taking everything you have and giving it to another person and saying, here, I trust you with this. I believe you. You told me, you love me, you care for me, you've proven it over and over again. Here you go. This is my life. I believe you. Before Jesus died on the cross, there was two ways to be saved. One was before this law, this Ten Commandments. And the other was after the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments said this. If you keep these Ten Commandments, you'll get into heaven. You'll be God's people. You'll be righteous. It's cool. And if, because you can't keep all these rules, then you have to slaughter a lamb. When you slaughter a lamb, you'll sprinkle the blood over your sins, and it will cover you for one year. You have to do this every single year until you make it to heaven. That's a way for you to provide for your sins. Before that time, it was simply this. If you'll believe what I say, if you'll put your life on what I say, you'll be saved. It happened for Abraham. It happened for Moses. It happened for all of the children of Abraham, 
they all came to a place where they put their life on trusting God, believing him, and they were saved. And so now that Jesus Christ is here, and he's sacrificed, and he's become the only spotless lamb, the Bible says that we'll believe on Jesus Christ and we'll be saved. So what does that mean? Because the Bible says that even the demons in hell believe that there's a Jesus. Believing is actually loving with all of your heart in such a way that you would hand God everything. Say, yeah, I trust you with everything I have, everything I am. I know I got some failures. I know I've fallen short. But here it is. It's incredible to think about when Jesus simply says, Peter, do you love me? What he really means is, would you give me your life? Because his response is, would you tend my sheep? Would you do with your life what I have done with my life? Just care for people. Bring them to a relationship with God. To bring restoration and reconciliation to humanity all over the world. It's an incredible thing that Jesus is asking of Peter. And he gets annoyed. But he's calling Peter to his heart. And it's bigger than just a failure that happened at a fireplace. Peter's one of my favorite characters. As a matter of fact, I have attempted to write a, a book about Peter three different times, and I have not. But I've studied, and I've studied, and I've studied about Peter's life. Peter is the main character of the first few chapters of, of the book of Acts. What happens is, is that after Jesus goes away, he gives an instruction. He says, would you go and wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they all go to this room and there's 120 people in the upper room and they're all, you know, they're, they're living their life and they're praying and, and, and whatever it is, for 10 days they're in this room living, breathing, everything for this moment where the Holy Spirit would come in. The Bible says the doors fly open and a, a mighty rushing wind comes in and fire appears on their heads and they begin to speak in tongues and the power of God is there in a moment. Maybe you've experienced this power in your life but not quite like this one. The Bible says 120 were there. Even Jesus' mother was there waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit that would come from heaven. Afterwards, everybody can see that something has happened to these people. People come up and they're like, they're like, are these people drunk? I'm like, this is like crazy. Whatever's going on, they have lost their minds. This is how, how great the power of God is on them. It's like, it's like they can't stand up, they can't talk straight, whatever it is. And Peter stands up at the edge of this, of, of this, this porch and he says, these people are not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. says, this is the power of the Holy Spirit that my friend Jesus has told us about. And then there's a place where he begins to preach and talk about who Jesus was. And 3,000 people are saved. There's another place where he looks at the Jews 
And he says, we're here proclaiming Jesus who you crucified. Now, that's, that, that reads like it's just like one little sentence. But what actually, if we rewind, the reason why Jesus or Peter denied Jesus in the first place was simply because he was afraid of the, that the Jews would kill him too. And now because of this gift of the Holy Spirit, Peter looks the same people who killed his master and says, you killed him. What causes that kind of transformation is the power of God in your failures. It's that God would take your worst moments and go, I can be great in that. It can take your deficiencies and go, I've got power for that. He can take your failures and go, get back up. I can fix that for you. Because the difference between you living a God life in your failures and running away from God is your approach to God's power for every struggle you face, everything that you go through. Will you love God? I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I believe you, God. A prayer is nice, but it's not your life. Sunday school is nice. I, I, I was raised in Sunday school. But it's not your life. Coming to church and sitting through this and maybe sleeping, maybe staying awake, having a barbecue, sending money to Belize, whatever it is, that's nice, but it's not your life. All God has ever asked for is your life. Your life. We're so aware of our failures. We're like, well, how about this, God? Can I just give you this? Can I, just, can I just give you a little bit of this? Would that be okay? And it's like Jesus would say, I know your failures. I know where you come up short. He knew Peter's before they ever happened. What does that tell you about yours? He knows. He knows. He knows. And all he's saying now is have some fish. Sit at this fire, and do you love me? Do you love me? Every failure he covers. Every deficiency he covers. And if you let him cover it, he'll give you purpose beyond your wildest dreams. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? take a moment and ask God, say, God, what do you want to do with my life? Could it be that there's more than what you're currently living through, what you're currently experiencing? And maybe there's a moment that keeps coming up where you think, I failed God here. And so you think it discounts you. You've gone back to fishing. You've taken your life back from God and you're like, you know, I, I'll, I'll handle my own stuff. Maybe it's a disappointment and you know the disappointment because it marks your entire life. As a matter of fact, you 
are living it again and again and again. You're laying in bed at night, staring at the ceiling, thinking about your disappointment and your failure. You're getting up in the morning, when you're driving to work, you're spacing off thinking about your disappointments and your failures. When Jesus is looking at you saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you trust me? Do you believe me? Father, would you take these moments that we hold on to and they think they're so real, they have affected us in ways that we can't quite express and begin to heal them with the power of your Holy Spirit. Call people to ministry and mission and worldwide works that will forever change people's lives. Let your heart be our heart and let us never pull away from you because you love us. If you're here today and you've never ever had an experience of trusting God with your life, some people call it being saved, whatever it is, it's a simple prayer I want to lead you in. It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I want to follow after you with everything I am. Forgive me of my sin. We just all pray that together. Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now one more thing before you, by your heads close your eyes, one more thing. If you're here today and you say, Brandon, I got some failures I, I, that have been hanging me up. Maybe you've, they, they're like 20 years ago. You've been saved. You've been serving God. They're not even like yesterday. Maybe they are yesterday. But you just say, they've been a hang up for me. And I've, I've forgotten that God even loves me. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand and let me pray for you today? Come on. Awesome. Anybody else? This is it. Yeah. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, every failure, every voice of accusation that comes from the enemy, Satan himself, every disappointment, every discouragement, curse you in the name of Jesus. We say life and life more abundantly in this place. Let it flow through the hearts and lives of the people in this room. Let them know that they are dearly loved children of, the God, children of God. And no matter what has happened, God has never sent his children packing. He draws them near, draws them close, and says, I love you. Will you love me too? God, we thank you for your continually giving heart towards us, your infinite love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big praise today.